Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to the Rooted to Truth podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Dickinson, and I'd just like to wish you a warm welcome. Whether you are tuning in for the first time or you've been following the show for a while, I'm just so happy you're here. Now, today's episode is a special one because, well, our nation is celebrating 246 years of independence, which when you think about it is no small measure. Our nation has prospered and prevailed by divine providence, but I think unfortunately, a recognition of God's intervention in the affairs of this nation has been slowly lost over time. From the era of pilgrimage to current day, God has used the American way to display his glory. And if we study the events of our history, we will find that often no explanation can be given except that favor and grace were given to our people and this land. As we approach another 4th of July as a nation, I look around and and I see a downtrodden and heavy countenance upon the American people. I sense apathy and negligence. I see a spirit of confusion and carelessness, and I discern that America is in the midst of a great spiritual divide. And you know, it's really easy to fall into the trap of frustration and and passivity too, if we don't constantly center ourselves in God's word. Actually, if, if I'm being completely honest, I've fallen prey to that on several occasions. And recently, I've found that the enemy's attempts to tempt me into hardening my heart has been stronger than ever. In fact, I think for most of my life, I've allowed for big national holidays such as the 4th of July to just pass by without really stopping for a moment and reflecting on why we even celebrate to begin with. And that's what I want to make this episode about. I want to do a little bit of reflecting with you because oftentimes reflection provides perspective and encouragement. God actually talks a lot about remembering where he has brought us from. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, it says that you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. When we reflect on the times of old, we are reminded of God's faithfulness in all things. He's there in the wilderness and he is in the garden as well. So are you ready for a trip down memory lane? All right, let's get started. As I was previously mentioning, I have personally had to remind myself of the reasoning behind many of the holidays we celebrate because it's actually so simple to fall into this system of going along with social norms without really even recognizing the why behind our actions. As I started to study the history of the 4th of July holiday, I discovered that a historical familiarity with our nation's greatest moments 
goes much further than just penetrating an individual heart and creating personal gratitude. I found that it's actually the moments of historical reflection that create a sense of national unity, honor, and responsibility. The truth is that when these three things are lost, a chasm and tension will develop in the nation that might not ever reach reconciliation. And that's precisely what our founders warned of. In particular, our founders understood that one thing would forever keep a nation bound together despite personal differences, and that is a recognition of the divine providence which delivered America from bondage into freedom. It works like this. If you have fragments of society made up by ideologies, political opinions, religions, etc., these fragments stick together when the adhesive of value and responsibility is applied. Glue like that is strong to withstand and will keep a diverse population united. The problem lies in using personal passions as the adhesive. People may have passions, but passions are numerous and fluctuating. So no general consensus can ever really be reached. I think it can be even argued that when it comes to national memorials, people of this nation should be able to set aside opinionated tensions for the sake of rejoicing over another passing of a historical date in history. It's that sort of partisan feud that has tainted the beauty of the American spirit of e pluribus unum. Out of many, one coming together to celebrate freedom. To expand upon this concept a little further, I'd like to take you to the year of 1826, just 50 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It was in 1826 that rejoicing and celebration could be heard all throughout our land as people gathered together to reflect on the sacrifices, hardships, miracles, and awe-inspiring events The scene was exactly as John Adams had predicted it would be back in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain was originally signed. John Adams had said that the 4th of July would become, I quote, the most memorable epic in the history of America. He went on to say that, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illustrations from one end of this continent to the other. From this time forward forevermore, you will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure it will cost us to maintain the separation and to support and defend the states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see rays of ravishing light and glory. On this day, of eventful celebration in 1826, 
American leaders from all over the nation ordered for bells to be rung in remembrance of the American miracle that came to be. That miracle being 13 mustard seed sized colonies that rose up and came together to form, at the time, 24 states in the country. Grafted together by the strongest political document in the world, especially given that their adversary was a country with such great size and strength. I was reading about this time in a, in a book called The American Miracle, and in it, it gives a great piece of information which allows for the reader to understand why such unity could be seen in the 1826 celebration of July 4th. Despite generational and ideological changes, it says that in the midst of this dizzying change, Americans of the era clung to their precious remaining connections to the nation's heroic origins, expressing special gratitude. Interestingly enough, in 1826, both Thomas Jefferson and John Adams laid in their deathbeds, holding on for the breath of dawn just to grasp the spirit of jubilee that came from the anniversary of America's independence. This in and of itself is another testament to God's handiwork in the affairs of men and nations. Because just as God made a way for Moses to see the promised land, he also made a way for two of the most influential founders to see the day of America's 50th birthday. Not only that, but both men were put to eternal rest on the same day of July 4th of 1826. Just weeks before that day, frail and unable to accept invitations to festivities, Jefferson gave an impactful statement that I'd like to share with you. He said, I should indeed, with peculiar delight, have met and exchanged their congratulations personally with the small band, the remnant of that host of worthies who joined with us on that day in the bold and doubtful election we were to make for our country between submission and the sword and to have enjoyed with them the consolatory fact that our fellow citizens, after half a century of experience and prosperity, continue to approve the choice we made. May it be to the world what I believe it will be, the signal of arousing men to burst the chains under which monkish ignorance and superstition had persuaded them to bind themselves and to assume the blessings and security of self-government. I love what he said, especially when he made the comment about the fellow citizens of the era approving of the choices made and therefore assuming the blessings of the security of self-government. Essentially, the point I really want to make here is that we as Americans should take the time to stand back and recognize the blessing of a nation we have. In the time following the Declaration of Independence, Americans held fast to the belief that they were ordained with special responsibilities because of the blessings they had received by God's grace. This thinking is actually the heart behind American exceptionalism. 
All throughout our history, our leaders and great thinkers have understood America to be exceptional. Yet, currently, the very idea of claiming America as being exceptional is demonized. If our ancestors thought highly of their nation, why can't we? Where have we gone wrong? As a young individual, I can tell you that the main message being pushed in schools is one of guilt and shame over our country. Daniel Webster, Massachusetts congressman of the founding era, said, America, America, our country, fellow citizens, our own dear and native land is inseparably connected, fast bound up in fortune and by fate, by these great interests. If they fall, we fall with them. If they stand, it will be because we have maintained them. The great interests he spoke of were the blessings of liberty. In the book, The American Miracle, they talk about how the blessings of liberty became difficult to uphold over time as more and more skepticism and cynicism developed over the origins of the nation and the involvement of a higher power. In the book, it states, from a global perspective that equally honors every culture, The very idea that the United States enjoys and deserves a special position in character among the nations of the earth seems not only dubious, but dangerous. After becoming president, Barack Obama expressed his own skepticism when he attended a NATO meeting at Strasbourg, France, and received an uncomfortable query from a reporter from Britain's Financial Times, Apparently, the reporter asked whether Obama could subscribe, as his predecessors had, to the school of American exceptionalism that sees America as uniquely qualified to lead the world. Obama responded by saying, I believe in American exceptionalism, just as I suspected that the Brits believed in British exceptionalism and the Greeks believed in Greek exceptionalism. To have leadership like that in any sector of society is where the divide starts and filters into the hearts and minds of Americans. When we don't have a sense of agreement on the fundamentally unifying source, there is sown the very seed of destruction that will bring an end to our nation. The book gives a great example of this. It says, that given recent themes in our educational system, every school child has heard about national guilt for cruel treatment of Native Americans, brutal exploitation of African slaves, and imperialist interference with less fortunate societies around the world. According to this logic, the United States' rise to international eminence can be explained by the rapacity of our political, business, and military leadership. Nearly all competing powers in the last 300 years compiled histories regarding indigenous populations, slavery, and imperialism that count as far more problematic and never more honorable than the imperfect record of the United States. The thing is, All the other nations that have partaken in these evils have failed to put lives on the line in order to make amends to the wrongs done. We, however, have engaged in a war against our own in order to put to death the evils of the flesh. 
even with having done these things, I believe our continual repentance is always followed by God's favor and blessing. Another point made in the book is just how incredible it is that we had a high concentration of brilliant minds all in a, in a time most necessary for godly leadership. Each and every one of those leaders believed that America had a destiny written in the stars, most believing that destiny was inscribed by God himself. It's when the blessings of God are seen as happy happenstances that a nation becomes a lot less fruitful. There's absolutely nothing wrong with true American exceptionalism because it isn't the belief that Americans are better than everyone else. It's the belief that we have been blessed beyond measure and have a great responsibility to live lives exceptional unto the Lord. It means living a life that radiates with honor and liberty. I think we have lost clarity of these concepts, and my hope is that we would all begin to fix our eyes back on the source of gratitude. If we forget the blessings and favor, we'll lose understanding of the responsibility and calling of being excellent, as is declared by the Lord. In closing, I'd just like to share a moment I had with the Lord the other day regarding this topic. Recently, I was flying on a plane, and during the flight, our plane flew through this really thick cloud. And as we were flying through it, I started thinking, wow, thank the Lord that the pilots have radar and direction from the control towers, because if not, they would never reach the destination during times like this where they have been desensitized by the lack of circumstantial clarity. I told God, Lord, this is what I feel like. I personally feel like I'm flying in a cloud and I can't really see where I'm going at times. I feel like our nation is like this plane too. We have been flowing we have been flown into a storm and our people have been blinded to the reality of their surroundings. What do I do during times like this, God? And you know, I felt this immediate answer and I know I know it was his spirit comforting me. He said, "Even when you can't see what's in front of you, you are being directed by me and my spirit, who is always with you." Just like a pilot is guided by its radar and control tower when they can't see a thing, my spirit guides you even through a lack of understanding. I am your tower. I am the great commander. Even over nations, I control the events of all. A nation living in disarray and spiritual blindness is still overseen by my eye. So I just want to encourage you to reflect on where we've come from and the faithfulness of the Lord. Be encouraged in knowing that God is in control. And don't let the world try to shame you for being joyful and patriotic. We have been entrusted with great responsibility to teach truth and live in freedom. So on this 246th 4th of July... 
Let's remember and celebrate our nation because there is so much to be thankful for and proud of. Let's fan the sparks of liberty ignited by our founders so that our nation is set ablaze by the flame of gratitude. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the Rooted to Truth podcast, please go and share it with your friends and family. Last but not least, I hope you have a blessed 4th of July and a wonderful week. God bless. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.